Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. J-Bone here, and it is time to recap and review the 2023 Belgian Grand Prix. Let's kick things off with everybody's favorite summarization. Here's the 2023 Belgian Grand Prix in 60 seconds. Max Verstappen was on pole in qualifying but started the race P6 due to a five-place grid penalty for taking on a new gearbox. At race start, Carlos Sainz locked up going into turn one, then turned into Oscar Piastri, which ruined both of their races and which Sainz claimed was totally not his fault, even though it totally was. There were some pretty great overtakes from drivers you might not expect, such as Lance Stroll, Yuki Tsunoda, and Esteban Ocon. We got some drama as it began raining halfway through the race, but unfortunately it never rained hard enough for the wet tires to come out. I never thought I'd be hoping for rain at Spa, but here we are. Despite starting the race P6 and almost crashing at Radion, not Eau Rouge, Max was P1 by lap 17 of 44 and won the race and driver of the day by finishing an absurd 22 seconds ahead of Checo in P2 for Max's eighth win in a row, and Leclerc finished P3 in a true Ferrari did something moment. Red Bull celebrated their 1-2 finish by breaking their trophy because I guess broken trophies are their thing now. J-Bomb! Now let's dive into all that in a bit more detail. But first, let's check in with my producer and brother, Producer Jeff, who was at the Belgian Grand Prix. Producer Jeff, radio check. Hey, J-Bone. Can't believe we're already at the summer break. What a way to go out, though, where I got to sing the Belgian national anthem before the race. In my Belgian Grand Preview, I gave you four Formula One storylines to follow for the 2023 Belgian Grand Prix. Now let's see how those shaped up. Your first storyline to follow was Formula One should not have made the Belgian Grand Prix an F1 sprint weekend. I stated that the Belgian Grand Prix should not be an F1 sprint weekend because it's too rainy and thus too difficult to ensure that two qualifying sessions and two races can be run and because Spa is too long of a circuit to make a sprint race entertaining. I will say though that this past weekend being a sprint weekend was definitely a positive as the sprint race was easily the most entertaining part of the Grand Prix weekend. The wet-to-dry conditions enabled a lot of chaos to take place and saw some crazy happenings, such as Oscar Piastri, of all people, finishing P2 after leading the sprint race for a while, and, I will say, looking on for a potential win if it weren't for Fernando Alonso spinning and bringing out a safety car. And also, Pierre Gasly, Finished on the sprint race podium at P3 after starting the race P6. I did not have Pierre Gasly getting any kind of podium on my Belgian Grand Prix bingo board. I'm not bought into Belgian Grand Prix sprint weekends always being a thing just yet, as this one did benefit from weather that was rainy, but not too rainy, which is rare. But this past weekend did prove to me that Belgian Grand Prix sprint weekends are more feasible than I originally thought, and that rainy weather can actually be a positive sometimes and not a negative. Your second storyline to follow was all eyes will be on Daniel Ricciardo at the Belgian Grand Prix. And they were, but they didn't really like what they saw, okay? Daniel Ricciardo did not have the best Belgian Grand Prix weekend, which featured four different opportunities for him to shine. Grand Prix qualifying, sprint race qualifying, the sprint race, and the Grand Prix. Here is how Danny Rick did at all of these events. 
At Grand Prix qualifying, Danny qualified a very disappointing P19 after having his fastest lap time deleted for exceeding track limits. His lap time would have been good enough for P10 in Q1 and thus entry into Q2 had Daniel not exceeded track limits, which he did, 100% undeniably. Danny's teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, ended up making Q2 and qualifying P11, not a great look for Danny. At the sprint shootout, Daniel had his best performance of the weekend by qualifying P11, with Yuki only qualifying P16. Unfortunately, though, Daniel was only able to move up one position during the sprint race, and he ended up finishing out of the points at P10, because only the top eight finishers score points in sprint races, unlike the top 10 finishers in a Grand Prix. Yuki had a very difficult sprint race, finishing P18. Now, at this point... Daniel was having a subpar weekend, but at least one that was still overall better than that of his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, which all changed during the Grand Prix. Daniel started the Grand Prix P19 and was only able to make his way up to P16, with two of those three overtakes being Sainz and Piastri, who DNF'd. Yuki, on the other hand, had his drive of the year that featured some magnificent overtakes and ended with Yuki in the points at P10. After the Belgian Grand Prix, the Daniel Ricciardo vs. Yuki Tsunoda battle has certainly ramped up in a big way, and I cannot wait to follow it once F1 returns at the end of August. My Belgian Grand Prix recap is sponsored by Bird Dogs, who make the best shorts and pants you will ever try on, and I promise I'm not just saying that because they're paying me too, which they are. I literally wear Bird Dogs at least four days per week. I'm actually wearing a pair of their joggers right now because they look great. They feel even better, and because I can do literally anything in them, chill, bike, golf, workout, go on a road trip, and so much more, my favorite thing about Bird Dogs is that they come with underwear already built into them, so when you want to get dressed quickly, you just put on your Bird Dogs and boom, you're good to go. You need to be wearing Bird Dogs, okay? You need to be wearing them, and I've got you covered, fortunately, J1's got you, with a special deal. Go to birddogs.com slash bone or enter promo code bone on birddogs.com for this free white tech hat with your order. Not this exact one, obviously, because this one is mine and not yours, but you'll get one that's just like it by going to birddogs.com slash bone or by using promo code bone on birddogs.com. It's an awesome hat. It's made out of this lightweight tech material. Wow, look how lightweight it is. It's perfect for sports, going out on the boat, chilling out like all the drivers are right now during their summer break. You need it and you can get it at birddogs.com slash bone with promo code bone. Do it, okay? Do it. And when you do it, you won't want to take your bird dogs off, and you won't want to take your hat off either, okay? I promise you. Your third storyline to follow was hop on the McLaren train, everybody. Choo-choo! And wow, did I pick a bad time to hop on the McLaren train. J-Bone! Okay, I honestly probably jinxed them in what is quickly becoming known as the J-Bone curse. Aside from Saturday, which saw both McLarens finish in the top five of the sprint shootout and also saw Oscar Piastri finish an incredible P2 in the sprint race, with Lando still scoring some points there, McLaren experienced a heat check like you'll read about in Belgium. Coming off back-to-back P2 finishes and back-to-back double top five finishes in the previous two Grand Prix, McLaren were the hottest team in Formula One coming into Belgium, and I cannot say that they left there with that title intact as it's sadly and unfortunately returned to Red Bull's greedy clutches. While yes, it is true that the McLaren car was set up to perform better in wet conditions and the Grand Prix was not wet enough for that bet to pay off there, McLaren's DNF and P7 results are still disappointing ones for the formerly hottest team in F1, the only team to 
manage to take that title away from Red Bull all season long, even if it was just for one short week, and even if that overall was just an arbitrary title that I made up and gave them. Who knows where Oscar Piastri would have finished if Carlos Sainz didn't yeet him at turn one. But all I know is that the Belgian Grand Prix was a back-down-to-earth moment for McLaren, hopefully one with short-lasting side effects as we all want to see them continue on their recent upward trajectory so that this season is more entertaining for all of us. Your final storyline to follow was the summer break is almost here, and now that the Belgian Grand Prix weekend is over, the summer break is here, which, folks, means F1 will not return until the Dutch Grand Prix weekend, which begins August 25th. That's a long time without F1, okay? It's a long time. Don't worry, though, because I... J-Bone will still be around during that time to bring you weekly F1 content, so make sure to toss me a subscription if you want the F1 summer break to not feel like the F1 summer break. And also, while you're at it, while you're doing that, I'm trying to get 2,000 likes on this video because producer Jeff bet me that I couldn't because he's a jerk, so make sure to toss this video a like to help me prove producer Jeff wrong. Next up, there's some big Formula One drama brewing. The biggest story to come out of the Belgian Grand Prix weekend is the blame game currently being played between Ferrari driver Carlos Sainz and McLaren driver Oscar Piastri. At the start of the Belgian Grand Prix, Carlos Sainz and Oscar Piastri came together at the apex of turn one, which has a wall just inside of it. The collision between the two drivers pinched Piastri into this wall, which heavily damaged Piastri's front wing and Sainz's chassis effectively ending both of their races immediately after they began. Lap 1, Turn 1 collisions happen all of the time, but what sets this one apart from most others is the extent to which one of the drivers involved, Carlos Sainz, wants to make clear he was not at fault. In a move not seen very often in Formula 1, Carlos Sainz took to Twitter after the race specifically to call out Oscar Piastri when he tweeted, quote, Not what we wanted today. Racing incident, but Oscar was too optimistic. He was never side-by-side, side, and that move has never really worked in Spa, end quote. The funniest part of that tweet, to me, is Signs starting off by saying racing incident before immediately saying that it was actually not a racing incident, but really a Piastri incident. Signs even went so far as to say to reporters after the incident that Piastri's quote-unquote mistake was maybe due to quote-unquote a lack of experience on the part of Piastri, who is a rookie. Sainz is definitely playing the role of aggressor in this blame game, with Piastri going on the defensive and saying that he was side-by-side -side with Sainz, who turned in on him and left him no space, not that he dove on the inside of Carlos like the Ferrari driver claims. Personally, I think these screenshots tell you all you need to know about who's at fault here, and it's Sainz who locked up, turned in on Piastri in a panic, and then did not leave Piastri anywhere near as much space as was available, despite Piastri being alongside Sainz on account of Piastri's front tire being ahead of Sainz's rear tire. Who do you think was at fault in the Sainz and Piastri collision? Let me know in the comments. Seriously, stop what you're doing right now and go comment immediately. I am J-Bone. I command you. J-Bone! Comment. Do it. Do it. Speaking of Ferrari... Is this bizarre Formula One fact just a mere coincidence or something more sinister? Ferrari have only finished on the podium of three Formula One Grand Prix all season long, with those podium finishes being Charles Leclerc's P3 at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, P2 at the Austrian Grand Prix, and P3 at the Belgian Grand Prix. Now, 
What's peculiar about that? Well, those three Grand Prix were all F1 sprint weekends, which all have drastically different schedules when compared to normal F1 weekends as they have two fewer practice sessions, which are replaced with two competitive sessions. This means that not only have all of Ferrari's podiums in 2023 come during sprint weekends, but also that Ferrari have been on the podium of every sprint weekend so far this season. Hmm. Peculiar, I do say. Peculiar. Now, there are two reasons this phenomenon could be happening, okay? And I'm going to give you a choice. You choose the blue car, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe, okay? But you choose the red car, well, you stay in F Wonderland, and I show you how deep the F1 rabbit hole goes. Formula One are trying to artificially inflate Ferrari's world championship point total by making every single circuit that is a sprint weekend when it's better for the Ferrari car because they... F1 elects for sprint races to be held at circuits with long flat out sections, so there's a higher chance of overtakes happening during these shorter races. And it's just a coincidence that the Ferrari car performs better at these types of circuits compared to others because of the Ferrari's solid straight line speed. Next up, I've been thinking about Red Bull's F1 dominance all wrong, and it is even crazier than I already thought it was. We all know Red Bull are absolutely dominating Formula One right now. After all, this past weekend, Red Bull driver Max Verstappen just became only the second driver in the history of Formula One to win eight Grand Prix in a row, and Red Bull as a team just set a new record for the most consecutive Grand Prix wins in a single season by winning all 12 races so far this season. And stats like that are how I'd been thinking about their current run of form until I discovered the George Russell anomaly. The George Russell anomaly is the idea that we all think about Red Bull's Formula One dominance starting after George Russell's 2022 Brazilian Grand Prix victory, as that was both Red Bull's most recent Grand Prix loss, as well as the starting point for all of the streaks that Red Bull are currently on. But in order to fully understand Red Bull's current Formula One dominance, you need to look past the George Russell anomaly, okay? And when you do, your eyes will be open to the insane truth that yes, while Red Bull have won the last 13 races in a row, which is crazy and a lot, they've also won 22 of the last 23 races, which is even crazier. That's 13 in a row, preceded by 9 out of 10. Truly an absurd run of form, the likes of which we may never see again in Formula One. So as much as you hate it, okay, at least try your best to appreciate it while it's happening. That rhymed unexpectedly, so I had to change how I said that up. That's kind of cool. Formula Bone is sponsored by Caldera Lab. And if you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward, okay? How do you do that? By adding in a skincare routine. I know it sounds intimidating, but you know what? It's really not hard. You just haven't had the right tools until now. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day. Use my exclusive code FBONE at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their products. The older I get, the older I look, and I need to make sure I'm preventing myself from getting wrinkles, okay? You don't want to be in a car bed with wrinkles, it's weird. Caldera Lab's products are made with top-tier ingredients and are a great addition to your daily routine. The skincare routine they've curated for you, called The Regimen, includes their products The Clean Slate, 
the base layer, and the good. And there's also the Icon Serum in there as well. Great products all around. It takes less than a minute, morning and night to complete. And it's designed to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Get 20% off with my code FBONE at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code FBONE. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. Finally today, here's how my three bona fide race predictions fared at the 2023 Belgian Grand Prix. My first race prediction was that McLaren would finish on the podium for the third race in a row. And while they did not finish anywhere close to the Grand Prix podium, Oscar Piastri did finish P2 on the sprint race podium. So I'm going to go ahead and claim that ding, ding, J-Bone got that one right. J-Bone! Just a heads up, if you leave a comment on this video, regardless of what that comment says, it means that you agree that I got this one right. J-Bone! My second race prediction was that Checo Perez would finish P2 for the first time since the Miami Grand Prix, and ding, ding, J-Bone also got that one right. J-Bone! Checo is back, baby, and by that I mean back to being capable of P2 finishes after he briefly forgot how to drive. And my third race prediction was that Alex Albon would finish in the points for just the fourth time this season. And he did not finish in the points. Uh, his car's low downforce setup was not a fan of Spa's curves and wet conditions, so unfortunately I did not go three for three, but hey, two for three ain't bad, and there's no denying I went two for three. Nobody could possibly deny it. Especially not in the comments, because if they comment, it means they are not denying it. J-Bone! You also may remember that I predicted the Belgian Grand Prix's top five finishers, and my predictions were P5 Lewis Hamilton, P4 Oscar Piastri, P3 Lando Norris, P2 Jacob Perez, P1 Max Verstappen. And my 5-4-3-2-1 was a 4-DNF-7-2-1. At least I got the top two right. That counts for something, probably. All right, folks, it may be the Formula One summer break, but J-Bone never stops making F1 content, so subscribe now so that I can see you back here next week for a new upload that you guys have been asking me for for quite a while now, okay? I'll leave it at that. Subscribe. Special shout out to my top Patreon supporters and YouTube channel members at Rated Bookie and Glow! If you want your name shouted out in all my videos along with a bunch of awesome perks, hit up the Patreon and or YouTube channel member links in the description of this episode. Until next time, folks. J-J-J-J-J-Bone. J-Bone!